Hello, welcome to Mr. Suitcase, and uh, I am uh, standing in front of Eric Deschamps, uh, who is an artist uh, for Magic the Gathering, among other things, and uh, he's done some notables uh, uh, such as Venser and probably one of my favorite porcelain Legionnaire. Uh, so, uh, Eric, how did, uh, how did you get started working with Wizards? Well, um, the first thing I did is I was uh, kind of networking with other artists, and uh, eventually um, I was given uh, a few art director names and uh, uh, email addresses, and uh, would correspond back and forth, but didn't get any work like that. And then what I did is um, I went out to the uh, San Diego Comic Con and met them in person at a portfolio, portfolio review, and that's kind of how I got the work. And so the first thing I did was uh, Goblin SWAT team for Okay. Waiting for the announcement to pass. Just let the box sit in front of you while we get ready. Judges handle the product, but players do not open the product. So, um, what kind of uh, process do you use to paint? Are you do you do a lot in digital, or are you uh, use acrylics? What what's what's kind of your method? Uh, it's just digital. You no, know, uh, sometimes I'll start with the pencil and uh, work that up, scan it in, and work on top. Sometimes I'll just go straight digital. So it, it all depends on my mood at that day. <laughs> Um, do you have a piece that is your favorite, or are you kind of the kind of guy who, when you're done with something, you're kind of like, you're always looking and finding the flaws and, and never really satisfied with it? Yeah, well, my favorite ones are the ones that aren't on the table yet. They're uh, still yet to be released. But uh, of the ones here, I think, you know, I think I put a lot of time and effort into Venzer, and I, you know, I really... Uh, enjoy doing that one, and I also uh, had a lot of fun with uh, the Mirin and the Frexian Crusaders having the two opposing each other. That was kind of fun doing that too. So yeah. On the uh, Crusaders, did you do them as kind of one piece together, or are they just separate artworks, kind of mirrored in the opposite way? I kind of when I worked on them, I worked on them like right next to each other. So I kind of would have the idea of having them kind of of a reflection of each other. So instead of working on one and then finishing it and working on the other, I did both at the same time. Okay, cool. Um, so are you classically trained, or uh, what's uh, what's your kind of background in uh, in art? Well, I went to Syracuse University as an art major and thinking I was going to be an illustration major and then somewhere down the line a friend of mine like convinced me that I should be a graphic designer instead so I did take a lot of like uh, art courses but not enough illustration stuff so after I got out of school I realized I wanted to draw and paint every day so my wife and I moved down south where it was cheaper to live and I worked on my portfolio a lot so I'd say like a lot of what I've done is, is self-taught but I did take a lot of art courses in college as well so if you were to give someone uh, what the probably most important skill is for an artist to develop what would you say? Uh, just uh, being critical of your own work and um, taking criticism and not being don't feel insulted when someone tells you something's wrong with your work and just put that time in that's the big thing okay hey, thanks for your time thank you appreciate it Hi, this is uh, Mr. Suitcase here again. Um, talking to the other artist at Grand Prix Kansas City. Um, it's Darkin, and uh, so first thing I'm going to do is uh, ask him, kind of, how did you get your uh, start with Wizards? 
Well, actually, I started doing a D&D forum. They just called me on the phone one day asking me if I wanted to work on D&D, and I did that for about a year or two, and then I just asked them if I could start doing magic cards because the art directors all know each other there. So that's how I started doing magic. Are you uh, classically trained, or is it all self-taught, or what's your kind of background in art? Yeah, I went to art school. I went to Academy of Art um, University in San Francisco, and I was classically trained in oils and watercolors. And I actually uh, taught digital to myself. So, so uh, what is, is most of your work now primarily in digital, or do you still like to use the classic mediums? No, all my work now is digital. I just don't have time to really work in traditional media anymore. What's your... Uh, if you're just uh, just kind of pass the time and do some art just just for the heck of it, you know, just kind of enjoy yourself. What's what's your favorite medium? Um, it's still digital. I just really don't have time to, to mess around with any of the traditional media anymore, and I really don't have that much time to do my own personal work anymore either. Like in the past, like four years, I've probably done less than ten personal pieces. So yeah, I just really don't have that much time. So kind of a curse and a blessing then. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> what's uh, what's the favorite piece that has uh, been currently released right now? Um, favorite piece? Um, I guess Birthing Pod. Uh, a lot of people seem to like that card a lot. Does uh, does it help you uh, when a card is popular? Do you uh, does that kind of f- kind of flavor your impression of them as well? Um, wait, what was that? I'm sorry. Um, does does the popularity of the card kind of flavor your impression of them as well for yourself? Um, yeah, I guess sometimes. I mean, there's sometimes there are pieces that I enjoy more that end up not being on a good card, and so people don't really buy the prints or the proofs or anything, or they don't really ask for drawings of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sometimes um, the popularity of the card can sway, I guess, your outlook on it. So, are, do you tend to find yourself uh, someone where you kind of really enjoy most of the pieces that you do, or are you one of the folks who, uh, I know some artists are like, when they're done with a piece, they, all they can really see are the flaws? Yeah, I'm definitely one of those artists. I tend to not think very highly of my own work, and I'm always pushing myself to try and do better. And especially with a lot of newer sets, the art just keeps getting better and better, so it's really intimidating seeing everyone else's art so I always feel like I need to push myself to do better. So then you feel there's a lot of peer pressure within the uh, Wizards art community to keep kind of upping your your quality and product? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not like other people are saying anything, but it's just myself um, comparing myself to other art and thinking that I need to improve. Yeah, I know as a uh, player that uh, every time a new set comes out, I know we pretty much feel like, wow, the art on this set's even better than the last set. It just seems like that's uh, an impossibly high standard to just keep keep upping the ante all the time. Um, and uh, you did uh, Corlash, uh, Air to Blackblade, uh, Black right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's one probably one a sweet card. <laughs> yeah, that was actually one of the first cards that I did for Magic. Um. What uh, what do you enjoy most about showing up at the Grand Prix uh, or, or other Magic events? Um, just meeting all the different fans and being able to travel around. You know, that's really one of the big benefits of working on Magic is you get to travel all around the world. Like last week I was in Japan, and then the week before that I was in Singapore. So it's really cool. 
Well, thank you very much for your time, and I'll let you back to it. All right, no problem. Thanks a lot. Hi, and welcome to Mr. Suitcase. Um, I'm walking around with Megan Holland as she takes some pictures, you know, for mtgmom.com. And, uh, hey, Megan, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, exciting. It's a little lower turnout than expected, but, you know, there's still a lot of awesome people here, so it's good. Actually, I mean, there's a really high density of pros around, so, I mean, if it, if you are one of the masses who came, you have a good chance of running up against somebody. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I know that there were some slight problems for some people, so they didn't make it, but I think most, most of the people that struggled managed to find a way to get here. Yeah, so you've recently moved, right? I did. We just moved from Florida uh, up to Illinois in like the Chicago land Schomburg area. Well, that's a, a rather uh, disparate area. So at least you've moved there during the summer. But I mean, are you preparing for your first uh, big winter in Chicago area? For now, I think I'm going to enjoy the summer. You know, another month or two, and then we'll start worrying about the winter. But I mean, really, like the magic community is so awesome. And another way to show that is just that you know we moved. We had people that. We we already knew there, like the GG's live crew. You know, Rusty came over, helped us move in. You know, I mean, just like great people, and it's just it's made the transition so much easier. So, now, how did you start out? You know, how, how did you become this position now that you are are the MTG mom? Um, well, I mean, I had the Google Calendar set up, and then that just kind of snowballed into what it is now. You know, it started off with something small, really local, and then I added, like, the bigger events basically for me to use, but then also realizing that other people would find it useful, and then it just kind of took off, and it's been very exciting. Uh, that is awesome. So, I mean... So you're at events, and, uh, you know, like, I'm not playing today, but I, like, I may have or whatnot. What, what do you generally do at events? Um, you know, I, I'm considering starting to try and play more, but it's hard to balance being able to do, like, the social media coverage, having the photos, you know, finding out how your friends are doing while you're trying to play, you know, and you're worried about staying focused and, you know, worrying about yourself and not dealing with everybody else. But at the same time, like, that's such a big aspect of the game for me, so it's hard for me to want to do that. I understand completely. I had that twinge, like, this morning about, hmm, maybe I'll play. And I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so, and then I've been enjoying my time on GG's Live and interviewing people and whatnot. But, so, I see you walking around with a camera. So, like, all my pictures, like, go straight to, to Twitter immediately because I'm taking them on my phone. But how long is the time differential between you're taking pictures and them going up? Ideally, they'll be up Tuesday, you know. Um, I mean, Monday, if I was going home Monday, but I'm not going home until late Monday night. Um, but, you know, after uh, Orlando, we were moving to Chicago, so things got pushed back a little bit. You know, but probably within a week, that that's generally when they should be up on Facebook and up on mtgmom.com. That's awesome. So do you, are there any particular things that you're looking for when you're taking pictures? Um, I, I generally try to take pictures of people that are well-known, a lot of the pros, um, some local Florida people just because they're, you know, dear to me in, in ways that other people aren't. But, you know, you want people that are going to be recognizable. You want people that 
But at the same time, you also want to grab a couple of shots with, you know, their opponents that, you know, now can get tagged by their friends on Facebook and things like that. And then up-and-comers like Edgar Flores and, you know, people that you think are going to start to be those people, you know, pros and people that other, you know, people at home want to see. So how much of your time do you think you devote to magic? A lot. Um, you know, I work on the Star City newsletters, the email newsletters. So, you know, that's a few hours a week. And then um, trying to keep MTG Mom updated and sending out sticker requests. And, you know, just, like, reading the articles. I don't read too many, but there are, like, close friends of mine who I read their articles every week. Or, you know, like, helping other people try to find flights or, you know, info about whatever the upcoming event is. So there's a lot. And, you know, just having other people talk to me about, you know, their last week at the Pro Tour or things, you know. So there's probably very little time in my day when it's not somewhat magic-related. That's awesome. Well, I want to let you get back to taking pictures. Thanks for the time. Awesome. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Mr. Suitcase. Um, I am sitting down with Mr. Tom Martell. Uh, if you follow Limited Resources, you probably heard him there, and he writes for Channel Fireball. So, uh, hi Tom, how you doing? Good, thanks, Eric. How you doing today? I'm awesome, although you know not playing. So you know my level of awesomeness ought to stay about the same the entire day. So, uh, so how's your seal pool treating you? Um, it's not the best I've had. It's not the worst. Uh, I had actually a lot of choices to make. The colors are very obvious, but there was something like, like 28 cards that I had to choose between. So try to come up with the right to the right build. Which I'm not sure that I did. Uh, was challenging. I actually ended up taking the whole time, which is pretty unusual for me. But hopefully, it, it hopefully turns out pretty well. Hoping to get like X1, it would be pretty. Happy. So you get a challenging pool that, you know, it doesn't sound like it's really bomb-laden. So what do you look for to try to maximize that? So I think when you don't have, like, the obvious bombs that tell you what colors to play, you really want to try to figure out, you know, where can you get a good mix of removals and creatures. Uh, and for me, it was actually uh, was white and um, green, which is an unusual combination when you're looking for removal. But I have a couple of shatters, and I have an exclusion ritual, which is a six-mana enchantment uh, blue ring. So that's really the only removal I had to choose between, and then I had a pretty good creature base, a bunch of aggressive two drops, uh, and then some dinosaurs. So it, it seemed to be pretty obvious uh, between between those two colors, and then the choice between like, do I want to splash something? Uh, I had a galvanic blast, I had to spread the sickness. Um, so there's some, some tension there, and kind of figure out like, how to make the mana work. So that was the, the, the trickiest part, was, was, was that aspect. Do you find that this format is a format where you can splash easier, or is it harder to splash? I think so. It's interesting. So the constructed mana is terrible. Like, as we saw in the block constructed for Tour, but the, I think in limited demand is actually pretty reasonable just because there's a, the common cycle of mirror which help you. There's Horizon Spellbomb, there's Microsoft Wellspring. So I think splashing the couple cards is actually pretty easy. Uh, and, and most decks, if you've, if, you know, if you've seen me draft or any of my draft videos, I, I'm always fighting the urge to play more colors uh, because it is pretty easy and, and I like to be greedy. So, <laughs> uh, Greed seems to be a, uh, a, a common theme with, with a lot of players. I know I fall into that, that always wanting the greedy part. What's, what is uh, What's the the most what's the most tempting thing that you find that kind of throws you off track when you're drafting or building a seal pool? I mean, for me, it's always just, you know you get some removal you want to splash or you just get 
you open you know, a powerful single mana card and you kind of you, you talk yourself into playing it uh, for me like it's usually I, I prioritize I know this tendency about myself so I tend to prioritize taking mana fixes a little bit a little highly um, and then that way when I get past like a third pick scrap melter for instance in pack three I can always find a way to jam it in there uh, I've been trying to pretty recently to, to stop doing this in fact my, my most recent couple of videos that will be going up in the next ne- over the next month uh, all kind of have the theme of try to play two colors try to be responsible see how that works out and it's a lot less fun you know being able to like get all your, your powerful cards and splashy cards in your deck is, is certainly leads to more variance and more excitement in the matches so I, I'm not sure which way we'll, we'll wind up but I'm at least trying it out being responsible oh okay so uh so can you share a little bit um, with like where you are in life as far as the, your dedication to magic? Where does magic fall on your priorities? Sure. I mean, this is something I, I've talked about a little bit before. I think I'm on the, the kind of the extreme range, probably actually with like Paul Rietzel and a couple other like the pros who have pretty demanding full-time jobs. So I'm a lawyer uh, as well as like a product manager for, for a startup in Silicon Valley. So, you know, that's a pretty time-consuming role, you know, 70, 80 hours a week. Uh, so that, that definitely cuts down on my ability to play as much as I would like to. But I, I think the middle get time off for all the pro tours and for all the domestic GPs, I can still make it to all those tournaments. So I, I play a lot of Magic, uh, not as much as I would if I, you know, didn't if I was still in school. But uh, I, I still make time. So how does how does your dynamic with uh, Team Channel Fireball kind of fit into that? Well, it, it works out really well for me. I mean, I've known most of these guys. I've known Luis since high school. I've known a lot of the other guys, you know, for for almost as long, you know, ten years now. So it makes it, it makes it easy that you have a group that you have a good rapport with. You you work well with, and you can kind of just fall back into the routine. Whereas I think if you're if you're always bouncing around to different groups, it takes a lot more overhead and just, and just preparation time, such that it eats into into what you can actually accomplish. So I think it works out pretty well. Does your time constraints influence a lot, like the type of deck that you're going to play? Not really. I, I've been, you know, like I said, I've been playing for 12 years now, competitively for about 10. At this point, I, I'm at least vaguely familiar or comfortable with, with most like archetypes or, or strategies. So while I need to play some number of games to get the exact logistics down, I can pick up a deck and do pretty well with it. For instance, like in Paris, I, I one of my first, I played maybe two games, I think, with Cobblade before the tournament. Uh, and then round one, I, I, I figured out the deck, lost. And then, you know, I don't think I lost another constructor around in the tournament. So it went it went until top eight, obviously, in Spencer. So it went pretty well. So, okay. Um, well, I'll let you get back into the tournament. Thanks for your time, and uh, good luck. Okay, thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Hi, and welcome to uh, Mr. Suitcase. Uh, I'm sitting down here with uh, Steve Ports of Legion Events, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the GP here in Kansas City. Uh, the time is uh, right before Top 8 is going to start playing. They've already drafted, so we're just kind of waiting for things to uh, end up. About 6.30. Yeah, what time are Yeah, about 6.30. So 6.30. That's pretty early, though, for a uh, GP, though, isn't it? It's very early for a GP. Um, both days were done were done early, and that's because of the pairing software that we use. The scrolling on the on the screens, uh, as well as the the web interface that you can get through a web uh, through any web browser on any phone or laptop. So, about how much time do you think that saves uh, per round or uh, yeah per round? 
at least five minutes around. We, we, we've done some metric testing on it over, over the years, between five and ten minutes per round, um, uh, every round. So over the course of a nine-round tournament, you've saved up to an hour and a half, between an hour and an hour and a half. Uh, so last night, nine rounds of Swiss, including uh, we started at nine o'clock in the morning, did the build, uh, almost 900 players. We were done and out of here by what, around nine o'clock. So 12 hours for that Swiss Plus build. So we were, and that includes like the extension of time and stuff. Uh, I think typically that would have been 10:30, 11, 11 o'clock, uh, 11:30. So. Wow, that, that ends up being a, a significant uh, savings in time. Significant. Uh, we, we, it's kind of funny. We actually occasionally get somebody that comes up and yells at us that our turnaround times are too fast. Like, I, I, I know that the round was over. I thought I had time to go smoke. I came back and my pairing was up, and now I'm late for my match. Why is that? Well, that's because we, we, the second that last match result comes in, the pairings go up on the screen. We don't have to print them out, wait for, for a judge to tape them together, take them out to a spot on the wall, tape them on the wall, and now you've got to cry crowd to them. The very second that last match comes in, the judge, uh, the scorekeeper hits the pairing, hits another button on this other program that we use, and it sends it to the monitor. It's that fast. So overall, how do you think the, the Grand Prix went? Really well. Uh, really smooth. I got a lot of great comments from folks saying that it's uh, the smoothest thing they've ever seen. Um, a lot of happy people. I wish we'd had a few more. I thought we'd hit a 1,000. We didn't quite hit a 1,000. Um, but uh, um, really well. I mean, can't complain. Everything went fast. So how, how do you, I mean, it's a pretty decent uh, setup you have here. Obviously, the convention center provides you know, your tables and chairs and whatnot. Do you bring your own tablecloths? or No, I, I rent those out. Uh, it depends on the venue, honestly. Uh, this this particular venue, um, I hire a company called George Fern. They bring in all the tables and the chairs, but they don't do the, deal with the tablecloths. The hotel, which this is attached to, it's actually not the same building. Crown Center is not the same outfit as the Hyatt Regency, our, our, but they're attached. Like, you can walk right from one to the next. The Hyatt Regency actually contract the linens for me and the chairs, uh, as well as uh, the hotel rooms for the staff and things like that. And then we had our hotel block there. And then George Fern Company actually runs the Crown Center, and they handled all the tables and chairs and the Internet and the electrical setup and things like that. So how much equipment do you end up bringing with you on one of these? Uh, again, this one, it kind of depends on where it is and what I'm doing. I, I was able to work this out that I was able to bring a lot with me. Like, we have four 46-inch monitors that I actually bought three weeks ago, had delivered to a Best Buy down here. Uh, I've been on a kind of a walkabout around the Midwest with uh, seven states in three weeks. Uh, we had a Midwest Master Series and a Pro Tour qualifier in the first weekend of June uh, up in Minneapolis. And so we left on June 3rd or something like that, uh, headed to Minneapolis, left from there to a wedding that we had. My, fam- my fiance's family's in Sioux Falls. Went from Minneapolis to Sioux Falls the following weekend. Uh, had the wedding there and then drove down to see her sister in Omaha on the way. Like Sioux Falls, you drop straight south of it, there's Omaha, and straight south of that is Kansas City. So I stopped at Omaha, saw her sister, and then came on down here to this, and now we're headed back home through Illinois to see my folks. So we did a, we did a seven-state circuit in three weeks, and uh, we're starting the last leg tomorrow. Can't wait to be home. <laughs> so do you bring, I mean, I know... A trailer. A trailer? Okay. I have a, yeah, I have a five-foot, five-by-eight-foot trailer that I tow behind my truck that's got, you know, the, the buckets of... Uh, of uh, Computers and, and extension cords and printers and you know the speaker stand the stands that we used to put the monitors up on uh, all the all the deck boxes that we gave away that all came with me. Um, my options are either I can trail along behind me or I can pay somebody to ship it down and it saves me a little bit of money to do it myself. So it's within driving distance. I'd prefer to drive it as opposed to ship it out because then I also don't have to mess with 
you know, getting it to a trucking company, having it all packed up, dealing with that, getting them out there. And it's fairly expensive to have that done. I can do it a little less, a little less costly for me to do it myself. And then it's where I want it when I want it. I don't have to worry about making sure it gets delivered in the right place and paying drainage fees and things like that. So, um, what kind of staff do you guys have on full time for Legions? Me. Okay. That's it. <laughs> is, that, is that a long enough answer? <laughs> <laughs> it's to the point, yeah. Yep. So uh, then you're responsible for all the rest of these guys are part-time or associated somewhere else. So uh, kind of talk about kind of how you would kind of recruit all the folks to come in for your events. So um, it, it's kind of nice being in a position where, like, I, I do I do everything. Uh, I do the scheduling. I do the marketing, you know, the Facebook page. When you when you get a, when you send an email to steveatlegionevents.com or, or any, any other address that you go to my website and send something to me, I'm the guy that gets it. Nobody else reads it. Um, if you don't get a response, it's because I missed it. It's not because somebody else missed it. I, I, I fall on that completely. Uh, same thing with Facebook message. If you leave me a Facebook message, you're leaving it to me. You're not leaving it to my staff who handles all that sort of stuff. I um, I handle everything. I work probably 10 to 12 hours a day, um, uh, but I work from home, so that makes it a little bit better. I don't have a commute, but I, but I do all that stuff all by myself. For the events, when we actually come out to run an event, like like this is a pretty close to an all-star staff that I brought down here. I brought Rune Horvick out uh, and his uh, and, and Kerry Foreman, who are both pretty pretty well regulars on at various GP circuits. They're used by a def- bunch of different people, and, and they're just really really good at their jobs. Um, I find I get I have a much better event when you put the right people in place. Uh, Lloyd Dotson is actually local. He just lives really close here, but that guy is stellar. He's just uh, he's the guy that always knows what to do, what it needs to be done, and he's, he's got really good vision, and he sees it. So over the years, you know, I've worked with different people. I've been in different places, and I've seen the sort of, I was like, I like you. I like you. You're the guy I want. I need this job done. Here's the guy to fill it. Uh, Nick Hobley, who who's out here and was kind of my nighttime guy tonight, and Matt Danner, both of those guys. Uh, those guys are both Madison in my area. Uh, Nick uh, grew up in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I met him when he was 16. He's now a teacher and about to turn 30. So he's been working for me for 14 years on and off uh, going through college and high school and everything else he's, um, he's been with me a really long time and but it, it's it's part it's well, it's not even really part time it's more contract like he works maybe one year he'll work a half a dozen events for me another year he'll work 12 events for me a lot of it depends on his schedule and when I can frame up uh, he's a public school teacher he teaches high school uh, um, teaches chemistry and math in high school so so he's probably much more amicable to, to working the uh, summer, summer summertime yeah, yeah exactly so he's really easy to get now but maybe I don't get to get him in in uh, like if I was to do this at tail end of May I, he'd be unavailable for me because because it's too busy for him he's got finals and stuff so it really depends on who's available when so so what is your exact relationship then with wizards I mean I you're if, if I understand things correctly you're a premier tour, tournament organizer so you get you get rights to to do some of these tournaments Am I understanding that correctly, or um, it's it's close? It's uh, rights is probably the wrong way to do it. We're contractors. Um, Wizards of the Coast calls me up and says we want you to do this thing. Will you do it? And I say yes or no. Um, I don't very often say no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and most most of the guys in my position don't. Um, if there's any like unless there's something monumental like you know maybe my daughter was getting married or something, I'd probably have to say no on a specific weekend. But uh, that's that's about it. Like they they call up and say. Do you want to do this thing? And uh, I say, yeah. Um, and that's and then and then after that, it's it's you know there's there's a deal we can't no financial deal we can't really talk about. But yeah, yeah that's, that's but as far as the nuts and bolts of it, 
they call me, I say yes or no, and then, then we work. And that's the same way it works for everybody else around the country, too. So do you, like, have a particular area that's kind of like your zone? So if something's going to happen in your zone, they contact you? or no. or And, like, do they, for, like, Kansas City, they say, we want you to run one in Kansas City, or do they, they say, we need you to run a Grand P. It can be in, in this kind of area, a range stuff. It's, it, it, some of column A, some of column B on that. Like, my, in the past, we always kind of had loosely defined areas. I've been Minneapolis or Minnesota and Wisconsin for quite a while. Um, I've kind of bridged into the Dakotas a little bit here and there. Um, but they, they don't they never have they don't and never have given us specific you have this area nothing else will happen in there that's not done by you um, but it's kind of a gentleman's agreement that if they're running something there they'll give me a nod first uh, and if for some reason I can't do it they'd go somewhere else but um, as far as the Grand Prix level goes this this particular one yeah they call up and they say very often they say it's a specific city um, this particular one I actually happen to have a chance to, to drop it in a couple of different places they said well we want it one of these couple of cities uh Look around, see what you can find, find out what's available. And at that point, a lot of it's down to, uh, we know it has to be this weekend. What has the best space available for me on that time? Uh, and so and we ended up here in Kansas City through that. I'd love to see one in St. Louis. You get the opportunity. St. Louis is actually on the short list uh, for, for this particular one. Uh, and I actually called a bunch of different places in there. Um, like the Gateway Center has, has some nice space and, and a couple of other places in there. But we didn't have the right space available on this weekend for that. Um, so we ended up not going to St. Louis this time. I've been trying to get them in Milwaukee. I actually pushed really hard for this one to be in Milwaukee um, because Milwaukee's had one event. Uh, they had one Grand Prix uh, in, what was that, oh, oh 02 or oh 03? It's been a long time. And uh, and I thought, you know, it's it's something like, it's in the top 10 metro areas of the country, like for size. And it's only had one magic major magic event ever. I really thought it would be a nice time to go in there. But uh, they're like, nope. We don't want to put it there. We, we wanted him somewhere else. So, uh-oh, disturbance. All right. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> Magic Players, me and Magic Players over there, something going on. Um, so uh, they, they said Kansas City was, was their choice on that one, so so here's where I'm at. Okay. Um, I guess uh, what is probably the most challenging part of your job? I... I don't really think anything's challenging. Um, I really like what I do. Like, there's there's very few people on the planet, I think, that really get to get to do what they like and do what they're good at. And and I feel I'm good at this. Uh, I get enough I get enough backup from folks coming up and tell me that it was the smoothest event they've ever played in. It was uh, they had just such a great time. Um, I get enough people coming in and telling me that 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 I know I must be doing something right. And and I really really enjoy it. Um, I'm hard pressed to I'm hard pressed to think. No, I, I do. Occasionally, you get the, you get the bugger. You get the guy who's just like, it doesn't matter what you do for him. It doesn't matter how you how you're happy for him. He's just angry, and there's literally nothing you can do about it. I hate that. I absolutely hate it. And that's probably the only thing that kind of gets under me is when when there's some somebody who's clearly there's nothing I can do to help him. They've done something wrong. I can't like they, maybe they messed up a match slip or maybe they did something else. And based on the rules that we have to follow to to keep things to keep things in line. I can't really do anything for him. Like I can't, or I, I certainly can't give him the thing they want, which is to to fix this thing that went wrong. Like maybe I can offer him, you know, something that well, here's a condolence, you know, here's a condolence, couple of boosters, or I'll give you a free draft, or I can do things like that to hopefully help assuage a little bit of the of the pain of the thing that went wrong. But I can't give that one thing back. And sometimes they get, sometimes people get kind of angry about it, and they're, they're they get pretty petty when that happens. 
pause here for just a sec. What just happened there was exactly what I was talking about before with staff. Uh, Nick Hobley, who I mentioned has been working with me for forever, comes up and says, hey, there's there's a there's a particular particular particularity, I can't even talk, that something in a prize payout structure is a little bit off based on how we did it. We have a standard, here's what we're paying out. When we're running a tournament this size, here's what we pay out. And we've, we've standardized that over the years because it's much easier and then people always know what to expect. But this event we run is a little di different and it kind of breaks the rules of, the, of that bracket. So Nick came over to make sure everything was okay and my answer to him was, I trust and make it work. I can't do what I do if I don't, if I don't have that relationship and, or the event doesn't go like this event went if I don't have that relationship if I can't say I know you're going to make a decent decision and I know you're going to make a decision that's that's beneficial to both the player and making sure that you're not just you know poking it in me to yeah. <laughs> you know taking it away from me to, to to hurt my business and then so you're responsible for all the side events as well as the main main yep, event here. everything yep I, I I schedule things I organize things uh, I, I often uh, this particular event we really wanted to get a commander thing running because this is commander weekend and there, the rules on how the how the premier events through WPN system work didn't allow us to have an actual commander release. Okay. I, I would have had to pull it from one of my stores in Madison or Minneapolis to have it here to allow that. So my store would have had to go without it to have one here. So we just did something different. Um, but that was through uh, player feedback. I was like, well, I can't do a commander release, so I just thought we'd just run regular pods. And somebody else was like, man, I really, I really think that we should have some cool commander stuff going on being a release weekend. And it's like, yeah, we really actually should. So because that guy contacted me, um, contacted me on my website and gave me an, he gave me a suggestion or a push. We added uh, we added a Saturday night thing, and we had 20, 25 guys planning, I guess, effectively a commander release sort of thing. I gave away some of my Elder Dragon vaults that that, uh, that I made through Legion Supplies, and and uh, just made it a little bit nicer event than just you know casual pickup. So if someone wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way? Steve at LegionEvents.com. Um, go to my website, uh, it's con it's, which is LegionEvents.com, and there's a contact page. You can click that. I'm on AIM most of the time. Uh, my AIM contact is on there. Like I literally sit at my desk 12 to 15 hours a day some days, uh, getting up to occasionally go feed my daughter or get, you know, change her or go go help my wife cook supper or something like that. But I'm, I'm generally not very far from my computer most of the time. Do you Twitter? Uh, I have a Twitter account, but I hate it. I'm one of those guys, you know. If some people hate it, some people don't. I hate Twitter. And the reason I hate it isn't isn't because specifically people. I have a really hard time following the conversations on it, you know, the, the conversation threads. There are some applications which I've seen recently that have gotten better about, like somebody says something that mentions me or, like, references me. You know, there's an at Legion 2 in there. My Twitter account is Legion T-O-O. -O. Um, so... I can go, I, I see that thing, and I was like, well, he's saying something to me, and it's clearly in reference to something. All right, now i got to figure out what it is, and I have to figure out how to follow the thread down. It's, it's just too much work. I prefer Facebook. Evan and Erwin and I both recommend TweetDeck. TweetDeck? All right, fair enough. I think I've been using Twirl. Uh, T, it's T-W-H-I-R-L or T-H-W-I-R-L, something like that. That's the app I've been using, and I've done Yeah. Yeah. whatever. <laughs> Thank you for your time very much. You bet. All right, sorry to ramble on so much. <laughs>